0: Hello and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. Today we'll be speaking with Yvonne H. from the Mainly Agnostics Group in Portland, Maine. Yvonne shares her experience with meditation and the steps and a little history about her home group. Hello, Yvonne. Uh, welcome to AA Beyond Belief. Uh, thank you very much for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you for asking.
0: I know you're uh, from the Mainly Agnostics Group in Maine, and uh, I I learned about you through an email that you sent Roger um, talking about the alternative steps and I just thought that it was kind of interesting your your perspective and your experience and I'd like to talk to you about all of that and maybe a good way to begin is for you to tell us your AA story you know what what got you in the rooms of AA and then into secular AA
1: oh Well, I'd be happy to. Thank you for having me on. And here I am representing our way far northeast um, (laughs) version of Alcoholics Anonymous and um, the newer um, agnostic version of Mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous, which has just bloomed within the past.
0: It's amazing. The
1: agnostics group here has been in existence. June was our one-year anniversary.
0: Congratulations.
1: Congratulations. and believe me, I celebrated. I showed up early with a balloon, and I offered to chair the meeting. That's how excited I was. <laughs> how much it has done for me to enlighten me towards being able to be comfortable in my following my own path. Yeah. In, in a program where everybody, believe me, the, the fellowship is, if there is a higher power, that is it, because I learned from other people how they do things, and it gave me a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. which is exactly... What I needed and where my alcoholism took me was to places that um, very alone, dark, um, you know, lonely place. Yeah. Um, I, I actually drank for 39 years, uh, give or take a year back, 15, 16, whenever mm-hmm. it really like sort of kicked in. And I, but I recognized my alcoholic b- behavior. Mm-hmm. Pre just, Position to addictive behavior is how I term it, because now I have a son, a 15-year-old, who is, uh, he admitted that he um, needed help. And uh, I'm going to take him to AA, but his, his addiction is gaming, okay. uh, electronics. Mm-hmm. He's been, and um, so he's been caught a couple times drinking, and the last recent time was cough syrup. So
2: oh, wow. who knows
1: what his substance is is or could be if I don't help him in time, but it's gaming part of the addictive behavior. Mm -hmm. So I'm recognizing that and I see that in myself and it's, I believe you're born with it.
0: I think so too. I
1: I do believe it's a family disease. My father is an alcoholic. My mother is not. She has her own issues. She's a hoarder to Mm -hmm. the point of um, dysfunctional addictive behavior (laughs) Absolutely, and my father, though I am very proud and happy to say, is very close to forty years sober now. Wow! Um, he's done it all by himself. He's um, an atheist, self-proclaimed. Mm-hmm. His uh, so he he tried a couple meetings early on back in the oh, forty years ago. Wow. Smoke-filled rooms and um, a lot of you know older guys, um, God talk. Mm-hmm. Um, Pushed him out, and he couldn't handle the smoke-filled rooms. Actually, really, he was yeah. here willingly um, to listen, but he um, he had ha- he had been a smoker himself, and he had a borderline emphysema oh, or yeah. esop- esophageal issues with his esophagus. And inhaling smoke, he couldn't handle that. So,
0: yeah, I tell you, if people he, don't remember what AA was like when all when we ever we all smoked, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you almost I needed a gas mask to go in some of those meeting halls.
1: And and I hear jokes about like you know, this half of the room they made they designated smokers and the yeah. other half were non smokers. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody laughs. It's like
0: our group uh, actually yeah. really did that.
1: <laughs> well, you know, smokers and then um passive uh smoke right. smokers over here, right? Yeah. So I you know, and, and I smoked for seventeen years of my mm-hmm. life. I quit. Uh and, and this is one of my things is I was able to quit cold turkey just to prove to myself that I could quit if I wanted to. Yeah. So it was one of my addictions that I proved to myself. And then I had occasional cigarette while I was drinking at a party, but no, no more isolation smoking for me. I mm-hmm. decided, you know, I, w- I was ready to have children. Mm-hmm. So I, I quit like a year and a half before I even actually had a child, and I never went back to smoking. And But boy, I'll tell you, in my little rehab stint of 28 days, I was the only non-smoker. So wow. they'd all haul yeah. out there for cigarettes, and I'd be like, well, I'm isolated again, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're smoking in the freezing weather out there, and I'm just yeah. sitting here reading um, "Living Sober." Yeah, was a book I picked up, and I started reading that. So anyway, back to my 39 years,
2: which mm-hmm.
1: is I kind of boil it down to decades. Um, before I even kicked into, now we're talking. All right, uh, my I may as well admit that I'm going to be 60 years old in December because you mm-hmm. can't see. So no comments on that. But,
0: a, I'm not far from that. So that, that myself, gives you
1: a so. time frame of where, like, 1972, I was, like, butting right into
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the party scene in my hometown, little small town of Woodbury, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of that town. And Bethlehem, the town next to it, I had lived there first, which is really a cow town, or it was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, then we, we had to be bused all the way to Woodbury to go to, past sixth grade so really all the other grades i went through were all woodbury and then when my parents split up um they offered you know where to live and we said well we don't want to change schools so obviously woodbury was was the choice. So that's that was a big social move for me. I no mm-hmm. longer had to ride my bike six miles to get to town. <laughs> anyway, so that, but it was a beautiful upbringing there. Um, I just am so blessed that I had a beautiful upbringing in Connecticut and the people I'm still very close with. When I go home to visit, three and a half hour drive, I, I hit a meeting in my own hometown and I I always fully expect to see somebody that I know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> But I haven't. I don't get there very often. Maybe once or twice a year. So, but I, I love to raise my hand and tell my story. That this is my home. I feel like this is. I really always miss it. And I have really good memories. My drinking did not take me to dark places. It took me to overindulgence quite a bit.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: choices that I made in my life with relationships and and everything, jobs, and deciding not to continue my education was. Mm-hmm directly related to like why would I want to give up my party life you know like every day I wake up and decide well where can I get my buzz today Mm -hmm. and and then working in restaurants was always really convenient because I had the whole day to you know pace myself and then Mm -hmm. work and then get out at 11 and go out dancing and to the bars and and sleep in the next day. That was a, that was my dream life. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of, like, I'm an artist. My dad's an artist. He made a living being an artist. I'm not in graphic design like I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. I'm in retail.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I always thought I could, you know, that would work for me later. Later, 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 procrastination. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my, my character defect, as they say. But I don't feel like giving up my character defects, like it says in the step. Um, I don't want to give up my character defects. I'd like to learn who they are and accept them and let them go on their way. Oh, okay. Just like um, fear is something I was going to bring up, I think, as a kid before I started finding that a substance was awesome because it could take me out of myself, which evidently was fear-based about life itself. How can I survive in this world on my own. It's a scary place. Mm-hmm. Wasn't connecting with my mother emotionally. So we weren't, we, she's just a closed off emotionally person. Yeah, And my dad was busy working and drinking. So I didn't really have any parental guidance in my emotional growth mm-hmm. back then. So yeah. I was a fearful person, unbeknownst to me.
0: Yeah, uh, I relate I, to that.
1: You know, drinking really gave me an out Outward personality, but other than that, I was very introverted and uh, different from other people, like I hear everybody else say, and I just am so glad I get to go to meetings to hear people say. I felt different from other people. I felt very closed off emotionally, and alcohol gave me the ability to fit in with other people and be buoyant and Mm -hmm. funny and beautiful and make me think that that was my wonder drug until it took over, of course. Many years later, I was, again, able to manage it and function. Therefore, I gave myself um, permission to continue, because I thought I could control it. So that mind game, disease versus mind, carried on for many, 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 many years. I was enjoying the teenage life, And instead of, like, I didn't even finish high school, I ran away from home at 16, my girlfriend and I said, you know, winter sucks, let's go to
2: Florida. (laughs) So we
1: we packed our backpack and stuck out our thumbs, and we, you know, a couple days later, we're on the beach in Florida, our parents didn't know where we were, Mm -hmm. we had no intention of going back anytime soon, we were Mm -hmm. little rebels and defiant, and said, well... Let's see what we can get away with, and we laughed our way all the way down there, and found some people living on the streets. And back then, it was much more safe, mm-hmm. I think. I don't, I don't even remember any hard drugs. I've mm-hmm. never done hard drugs. I mean, I've seen it done around me once or twice. Yeah, and I didn't leave the room, but I'm like, well, as long as there's alcohol around me, then I'm fine. Right. <laughs> so that's my story right there. Um, but a substance is a substance is a substance, mm-hmm. and. When you're finding finding your like-minded people,
2: mm-hmm. like
1: I was, then life was good, yep. and we had actually a, a, I, ha- I thought I was pretty lucky to have a decent experience of you know being a 16 year old kid on the streets down there, panhandling for cigarettes, and
2: mm-hmm. somehow
1: we all fed each other one person rented a, a little apartment and it turned into a crash pad and we mm-hmm. all just found a little place on the floor to camp out and the weather was nice and we're laughing because everybody up in Connecticut was freezing and <laughs> we, we had no mindset about like, do you realize what we're doing to our parents? And I have <laughs> made amends. Yeah. My father told me, do you know what you did to your mother? Uh, we had no idea where you were for two months.
2: Yeah. And then two months
1: yeah. later, it was before I came back. Because they didn't beg me to come back, and they didn't come down to find me. Although my girlfriend, who I went down there with, oh, her older sister came down all right and found around <laughs> the streets, and you can't physically make somebody go home. Yeah. So, so she didn't. But at least the older sister was able to go back to Connecticut and report that, yeah, yeah we're alive and well, and we <laughs> And, and I, then my parents found out that we were alive and well and said, could you just please call home? Was uh-huh. mess- uh-huh. <laughs> so we got, was, I'm like, uh-oh. See, but th- those things didn't bother me at the time, and it, it bothers me now that it didn't bother me at the time, of course, but mm-hmm. that was full-blown alcoholism working in my life there at the teenage years. Um, like I said, I wasn't running. I was thinking I was running to something, and, but really what I was running away from was, myself because i wasn't getting life the way i thought i wanted it to be right i had a a beautiful home and wonderful parents we sat and had dinner every night by candlelight and classical music Mm -hmm. only because that was the way my parents preferred face time you can do whatever you want and there's not a lot of established rules or Mm -hmm. strict strict uh behavior or um you know manners because both of them had that when they were up, so they thought they would raise their children more free and liberal. And but dinner time was whether you're hungry or not, you you sit at the table and it's FaceTime and you wait till everybody's done, or you ask permission to leave the table, yeah. whatever. And that was, I thought, pretty. I'd have friends over, and they're like, "Wow." You gotta- <laughs> got to like, wait till everybody's done or ask permission to leave
2: if mm-hmm. you're done
1: first and you have something to do, because they're going to ask, why, would, why do you want to leave? Because this is, it's not about the food or feeding yourself. Right. It's about face time and family time. Right. But so there's four people in my family, including my parents. My younger sister's two and a half years younger than myself, so we really were equals at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. It wasn't parents and kids, it was four human beings sharing their lives together. Nice. Is how I look back at it. And it was very, very precious to me. And my parents are still on that level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They, they really never sat me down and just quickly, like what I brought up my son with the uh, taking me up on my offer to, to go to a meeting because he'd been in trouble with the cough syrup, and then it, it, suicidal behavior was mentioned to a counselor.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm right in the midst now of calling the school counselor, because he knows what's going on. And my ex-husband is, we're on amicable terms, and he's explained all this to me via phone call. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm on it. I got, I recognize my behavior in my own son. Right. Anyway, just, I, I, the first thing I explained to my son was like, I didn't have a parent that sat me down. And offered to listen to me mm-hmm. or suggest, or explain that, hey, you know, I have that too. I recognize that in you. My, my father knew I was a rebel and defiant, but he had his own issues at the time. He was active alcoholism. Yeah. And my mother was freaked out by it, and she saw it in me, and she didn't know how to handle it in him, and she didn't know how to handle it in me. Mm. So she just looked the other way for all yeah. those
2: years. Yeah. Not,
1: I can't remember once her sitting me down going, geez, you smelled like a brewery last night. Where'd you go? A keg party? Uh, let's talk about that. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, did would say I smell like a brewery, but she didn't say anything else. Um, <laughs> so I at least have the experience, strength, and hope behind me of getting into AA at the age of, what, 54 or something like that.
2: Okay.
1: And, which is the same exact age. My dad got sober. Wow. And my message to my son would be, you know, don't bother continuing in the path that you think you may end up in trying to get out of your head with a substance. Let's find other ways to get help um, and enlighten yourself to really, I think somebody recently mentioned serenity as a subject. Once you get into recovery and you have a few years in you and you feel like you're on the right path, you get a serenity that like you start to trust yourself
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that and now you know what it's like to be without a substance for a while and then you get that irritable restless and discontent feeling comes and goes which we all have as addicts Mm -hmm. and but you you now have more coping skills and you can look at life in a different perspective like yeah tough times it's a it's a rough day but i'm not reaching for something right i'm I'm learning as I go how to just be happy that I, I don't need, I don't feel like the need to reach for something.
0: And yeah, that's it, a big difference. That
1: alone, that alone. And for me, finding that place, that serenity comes with meditation. Mm-hmm. That has been very huge for me since the agnostic meetings, because I I've, I've felt like I have sort of let go of the mainstream AA, but I still need as much input, Mm -hmm. but I don't get it through mainstream AA as much as like one agnostic meeting can last me the whole week as far as serenity goes, because I'll just hear what I need to hear from somebody. Right. And, 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 and it has a lot to do with um, letting go of the ego, but still being able to trust yourself Yeah, and self-realization and all those other self, terms come into mind but when I try to explain it to mainstream AA it does sound egotistical like I don't need God I don't need anything but I have the ability to connect with my inner being my soul possibly Mm -hmm. my guidance my my insight and it is hard to put into terms but it's in there and I connect with it through meditation and um it guides me so for me it's not a higher power. It's an inner power,
2: right? I'm
0: glad you mentioned meditation because I'm trying to. <clears throat> I need to start doing that. Um,
1: oh, this, good. yeah. I, talking to the right person. It was. Very, it's not easy.
0: No, it's not. It's, I. I think of it like of as exercise. It's like. It's so hard to get into the habit of doing it. But then once I get in the habit of doing it, I I get the results and benefits from it. And I enjoy it. And I look forward to doing it. But if I don't, if I'm not doing it, man, it's so hard to get back into the routine again. And that's where I'm at. I haven't been meditating for years now. But I I did on and off for quite a number of years. And I always loved it when I was doing it. And a lot of times I would do it in conjunction with physical exercise. The two kind of go together for me
1: right? Because it is a relaxing of the mind as mm-hmm. well as relaxing of everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, my suggestion would be possibly go into a good bookstore and look at the self-help and find out how, like the Buddhist. Yeah. I, I lean towards the Buddhist um, embracing of nothingness, embracing of letting go of every. I should say divesting and being. Right. It, and, and people who To God as their higher power or a higher power that is strong enough for them to ask and pray for the strength Mm -hmm. and for the guidance is more of, to me, like um, a reliance on something. Just like a reliance on alcohol, they're now relying on getting something from somewhere else to fulfill their needs. Right. Whereas the what I clicked into the medication, and I just grabbed in my book, The Joy of Living by Yongge Mingor Rinpoche, somebody gave me mm-hmm. that, The Joy of Living, and there's a lot of good books out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not one in particular, but just opening up a book and getting maybe clicking into something that reminds you that, ah, yeah, that's what, it, I remember what that meditation was like,
0: Yeah. And, it's a good I idea. Mean, I, it helps you train yeah. your mind, um, oh. like like what you were talking about, letting go. Um, when I was, Neither. what I like to do when I meditate is I just kind of let my. I I I don't try to block out my thoughts. I kind of use my thoughts. I, I say, okay, my brain is just going to do what my brain does, and thoughts are going to pop into my head. But what I do is I I say I don't have to grab onto that thought. I can just let that thought drift away. And it's just kind of like I sit there with my thoughts and I let them just float by. And it's just a really good way for me to train my mind, I think, about how to let go of things because I need to do that. I mean, how many times, you know, I might be in a situation at work or something and I get mad about something. I just can't let go of the thought. You know, so that's what that's why I like meditation so much. It just helps. It helps me with the letting go and controlling my mind. It's I see it as exercise for the mind. And maybe, you know, you can see it as something spiritual, too. But that's how I kind of see it. And I I do enjoy it.
2: Yes.
1: And and I'm also as um, less on a spiritual and more of an exercise. Yeah. uh, Myself. And um, I'm trying to think now. I have my my Bible in my hand, which is. Beyond belief, agnostic musing oh, yeah. for twelve step life. Uh, finally daily reflections for non believers, free thinkers, and everyone.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And I don't even think it's for like from one person. I think it's a Oh
0: yeah. I, yeah, I
1: don't think it's, it's a
0: really good book. We use it at our meetings.
1: Joe C. Oh do yep. well, yep. you? Well you that doesn't surprise me. So um about just touching on the meditation thing I've because I get from this book so much that i can't even put into words
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's in my head on and, and it clicks with me and i realize i'm i'm not on a wrong path i i think i'm on the right path but i can say i'm at least i'm not on the wrong path when i'm clicking with things from the book such as you know just get into your meditation and find your own way yeah um and i'm If I could find the term that that really explains what meditation is for me, and um, I work with a person who's not an AA, but he goes hiking a lot, and Mm -hmm. really into the mountains, and he goes Mm -hmm. out there. So he knows I'm in recovery, and when when I told him what I had heard, to try to explain where we go in our lives when he's in the mountains and I'm meditating, the same process of meditation or connecting with your inner spirit, mm-hmm. your energy, your your guide, the energy that existed before you were born into human human form, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: that will likely live beyond your human form. It is energy, and right. energy cannot be created or destroyed. That's right. Ask any scientist. Yep. That's a Einstein coin to that one. Yep. And uh, so what is that energy? Mm-hmm. Um, without delving too much into it, because it's mind-boggling.
2: It
0: is.
1: The space that we go into is the space between thoughts. Ah. Oh. So, like you were saying, you thoughts come and go, thoughts come and go, but the actual split second timing
2: oh. of in between
1: thoughts is where, this is where the Buddhists and the monks train their mind to go.
0: Interesting.
1: They are with letting their mind find the place between thoughts.
2: Ah. Oh. It's a
1: very difficult, it takes training. It's an exercise, and how difficult is it? It's very difficult, yeah, right? Right. But that's the place where you find your serenity.
0: Isn't that interesting?
1: And, and when I talk to somebody who just doesn't even have addictive behavior, my got my buddy in the mountains. He's like, bingo! That's mm-hmm. why I go to the mountains and walk my butt off for ten, fifteen miles. Yeah, it's the. Because it, it takes the first five miles to get all those thoughts out of the way. Right. And then before I turn around and re, on the return <clears> trip, <throat> I found myself at the top of the mountain looking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And all of a sudden, there's no thoughts in my brain. There's just being. Yep. And yep. I went, wow, he understands what I'm saying. How can that be? He doesn't even have what I have. hmm But he has the same goal because he's experienced that instant of space between thoughts. That is All so interesting. Is you are being. You are being. And you're connecting with your right. being. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I put that into words correctly, but as long as you can understand what I'm saying.
2: I love it, and I yeah. Kinda I... He-
1: I heard that about you, and that you, you miss meditating, and I said, mm-hmm. oh, I'm... so you're not new at meditating,
2: I've but never you been... want
1: to get back to it, yep. and that's that's what you miss about it. Yeah. And. And that's where I'm finally getting myself.
2: Well, I Because now it really I'm bad. meditating
1: more, more, I was meditating for my first, now, my sobriety date is February 20th, um, 2011.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm, thought, well, uh, I'll be coming up on six years this February. So for the first four years, I um, did it. Mainstream AA, and I just couldn't find that space in between thoughts because I was yeah. overwhelmed with uh, uh, turning my life and my will over to the care of God.
2: And you I tried know, and
1: tried. I, I joined Big Book Step Study. I had sponsors who made me go on my knees and
0: pray. <laughs> when did you start going to meetings, Yvonne? And what was your impression of those meetings? What what how were how were you treated? What were you thinking? What was your experience? All with
1: AA that? meetings, mm-hmm. or that any-
0: you start when you started off, you start going to traditional meetings. So,
2: yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I was introduced to AA through rehab. I didn't want to go to AA. I was in a 27 year marriage to a person who was very passive as far as enabling, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know I would get drunk and at the end he would be like I'm going to call the cops to put you in protective custody for your own good. He never did. But there was that was as far as the threats would go and taking away the car keys and be like he, he wouldn't want me drunk around the kids and he'd be like go to bed then. And I'd be like awesome because I can go up there and close the door and I got wine in the closet. I'll be like having a party here. That mm-hmm. was my goal was to like escape my own family. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty sad. And eventually the ultimatum came, is like, I have to go get help. And I was really talking to an excellent counselor therapist person, wasn't even a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. that suggested, you know, 28-day rehab would be really good for you to get out of that element that you're in, that you keep going back to, which is isolation. Right. And it would be good to be around it. at Anyway, she used to work there, and she she worked on me for a while. She was a very good listener because... <laughs> I just swing by and buy vodka at Rite Aid after I would mm-hmm. meet with her once a month, and like, oh, good, now I'm good for a whole month. <laughs> I don't have to go back to talk to her. So, so it took years, mm-hmm. but I finally took her up on the rehab, went there, and got out of that element and uh, away from the hu- enabling husband because yeah. that was just a vicious circle. Sure, and he already threw his hands up and said, because and he researched everything. He's an IT technical person researched addiction and threw his hands up and said, I don't understand addiction. You're going to have to go get help, basically, mm-hmm. uh, meaning on your own. I can't help you. And that would have been a, a time for somebody to go to Al-Anon, really, if sure. they were willing to go find out, but that wasn't his choice at right. the time, so that's okay. That's all behind me.
2: Sure.
1: After, during the rehab, of course, it was really a beautiful stay in a nice old farmhouse, 16 women every other night they'd take us out every other night we'd stay in and do meetings
2: mm-hmm. so
1: there's aa meetings in a group with other women five six of us would be so that was my comfort zone if mm-hmm. i can go into aa like holding somebody's hand
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. then
1: it wouldn't be a scary thing and but that that was where i first said you know my name and that i'm an alcoholic out loud so i even heard myself say it
2: mm-hmm
1: and i've been doing that ever since i need to be reminded every single day
2: yep. who
1: i am and what i am so that was helpful getting that out of the way and i we have all kinds of meetings discussion meetings mm-hmm. well speaker discussion the, we got the big book meetings mm-hmm. we have just speaker meetings
2: right. where you can sit
1: in the audience and it's open usually meetings where you can bring Mm-hmm. Bring your kid, bring your friends. I bring my right. dad, he's going to go to meetings. My mother even goes to meetings to mm-hmm. see what it's all about, and she has her own addictive behavior, but it's not uh, alcohol, and says to me, you know, this is a good design for living, these
2: steps. Yeah. It's
1: basically laid out where you can, you know, not do the God thing or the God thing, and that doesn't come up in discussion, but a way to find your own way through life. And and it it, it, the steps the twelve step program is it's eighty something years old now. Right. I I personally believe it needs to be revived, Mm -hmm. and through the AA Agnostica online, Mm -hmm. our meeting found the alternate an alternate version of steps, and they tweaked it a little bit, and. So I love my meetings. I go to, I I really still do try to plan my day around meetings rather than plan my meetings around my day. Right. And I, I, I go, there's nooners, there's women nooners, there's, Mm -hmm. and I have my buddies, I go and I give hugs and it's just like, it's, it's family. Right. And I've been divorced five years and I've never felt alone or isolated in my house. Because of the kids all live with their dad. But it's only mm-hmm. two miles away. So we're co-parenting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what, before you game, b- before yeah. you went to the agnostic group, were you okay at the traditional meetings?
1: I would say 80% of me was okay, okay. with traditional meetings. There was still that 20% that after one year of recovery, sobriety, mm-hmm. I said, okay. Well, you know, I, I said to myself, I had quit drinking to appease everybody, including mm-hmm. myself and my disease, for a year. And after a year, I said, oh, well, shit, you know, I now I know I can do it. So, hell, bring on the wine, and and we'll only have one glass. Mm-hmm. And I put the bottle down and look and stare at it for a while. And, of course, you know, with every, like everybody else, it, 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 one glass and then, then two glasses and then two bottles within a couple months back into it. So after a year of AA, I said, now I need to get serious because I don't trust myself. Mm -hmm. Yet, I don't trust the disease, so I got right into big book steps study. Okay. That lasted probably three quarters of a year. Mm -hmm. I had an awesome sponsor who said, if you do the steps exactly the way they're written, give up your life to God, find a higher power, Mm -hmm. you will have a spiritual experience. I promise you that, she said. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, okay. Well, I got on my knees and did the third step prayer with right. her and all this stuff. But you know, I, what I was doing was clenching my teeth through
2: right. it,
1: and I did, I wasn't aware of it. But it, I was. It, it was not a comfort zone for me at all. No. I, but I did everything I was told, and after the Big Book Step Study, I, I was more self assured that I could find my way through AA, just mainstream AA, without the Big Book Step Study. I just
2: okay it was just.
1: too too disciplined for me personally. Right. So I I let go of that, letting go. You know, I I knew it was there, and my sponsor, Big Book Step Study sponsor, said, I'll always be here for you, and she's still a good friend, Mm -hmm. and... I can always go back and she's like, you know, you'll be back. You'll be back cuz this is where it's at and yeah, I yeah. never went back. <laughs> she
0: was looking at it different than what, how we look at it. It's so weird. Yeah. My 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 frustration with between us and the regular AA people is that we really have more much more in common than not. It's just they we the thing is that She's thinking that these steps are going to bring, bring us closer to God so that we have the this, this spiritual experience, and which helps us stay sober. Whereas we just say these actions that we take yes. are going to transform us. Yes. And what's so frustrating is well well the well actions are the same on yes. her part and our part. The only difference is that she thinks there's a there's a, a God, a, a supernatural being that is somehow empowering her through that, and that yep. her, the process is bringing her closer to that power. We just let that part, we just leave that part out. We might think, okay, this process is bringing me closer to the people that's in the rooms.
1: This is true. This is true. So my question all these years has been, well, if the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is all about honing your relationship with god or a higher power to enable you right to stay sober then what is it that i'm doing
0: right and that's the problem because the big book enabling
1: am i honing my relationship with myself now that sounds (laughs) egotistical so how would i say my spirit my soul because
2: the way i see it
1: that like you put that your you and your soul are buddies yeah you're crazy
0: Well, when the big book was written, it was just the experience of the people at that time who were coming out of a very religious experience. But unfortunately, what's happening now, what, some 80 years later, people are taking that experience that those people from some religious movement had back in the 1930s. They're taking that experience as a a literal thing that we need to replicate now, instead of saying, hey... We can learn from what these people, this is what they, these people felt that this is what they believed were happening to them. They believed yeah. that they that they had a God that transformed them. And I can understand why they would feel that way. Because when you stop drinking or drugging, it yeah. does feel like some, something that you can't explain, something that was beyond your power to do ever before has suddenly happened. Yeah. And I can see where you could attribute it to a God or something. But we just don't do that, you and I and other people like us. But I guess that the thing is, if they study that big book, I wish they wouldn't study it so literally. And I wish that they would be able to say, okay, this is what it was at that time. And this is how I see it for myself today in the year 2016. But they don't. They They like to say, no, it says right here on this page that the purpose of this book is to bring you closer to God. And that's what the big book does say. I mean, it, all, it really is trying to bring us to God.
1: <laughs> I, I, I Yep. Yeah. And my favorite thing now to do is, and they, you know, when I celebrate my anniversary and or at my home group, am able to get in a word edge, edgewise at the podium because it's a speaker,
2: uh-huh.
1: I whip up, I pick up the big book and I go to page 417, and so they see me holding that big book, and I'm reading from it, (laughs) and I say, and my whole recovery is on this one page, and they're Uh like waiting with bated breath, and I read Acceptance. And when I read Acceptance, uh, the part of... um, Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Right. I omit the word God and okay. I replace it with our world. There you go. So nobody, nothing
0: happens in our world by
1: mistake. And people who who know it by heart, they 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 notice that I miss the word God and I put our world, but by the time I'm done with the whole thing, it flows.
2: Oh yeah. Pretty much everything everything works without
0: God, really it does.
1: It, uh, they understand why I omitted it it wasn't yeah. to make people it wasn't to upset people right it was it was my perspective only right and they're going then they i see the look on their faces a whole room full of people and they say oh well that's what works for her
2: mhm
1: because that's the way i explained it to people this is what works for me acceptance because that's what i do when i meditate is like i am in full acceptance of where i was yeah and where I am right now, and if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be okay today, and hopefully what I do today will help me tomorrow. Right. And it's that simple. It's not It's not like rocket science.
2: No.
1: Um, <laughs> maybe it is, actually, for an addict to be able to be sober one day at a time, personally speaking, mm-hmm. because I drank for so many years thinking, I can control this. Yeah. So I'm always wary that... You know, that little voice is going to, you know, tap me on the shoulder and say, look, go down that aisle. There's vodka down there. Right. But I've been, you know, totally not bothered by any of that and um, very grateful for it. Mm -hmm. And my father, his wisdom, 40 years sober, just says to me, you know, you can never drink again, right? You can know you can never drink a drop of alcohol again for the rest of your life. You understand that? And I would say, yes, I do, Dad. And he would say, "Very good." And so that's that's all I hear from him. There's no lecture. There's right. no. Uh, his meditation is listening to music and doing his art. Yeah. So he's found his space between thoughts. Right. He lets the music take the thoughts. He does his art to get things out of him. He lets the music come in and the art go out. Mm-hmm. So he's become a vessel of being. And I yeah. can see that in him. He's very he's very centered and. He has that serenity, man, and he didn't get it through any AA. Right. So I, I'm i blessed. I feel I'm blessed because I've gotten my enlightenment through the fellowship
2: of right. Alcoholics
1: Anonymous, and I am totally indebted to them, all those people who show up at meetings yeah. to claim their seat, and therefore my greatest joy and mission is to give back. Mm-hmm. And like I am right now, sharing if I can find one person who can relate to going into an AA meeting and looking at the steps on the wall, saying this is not going to work for me. Right. Don't focus on that. Right. Don't, just keep coming back, and you will definitely hear something that will help you sooner or later. Speaking but of but those if you steps, don't keep coming back, you're not going to hear it. So tell
0: me about tell me about mainly agnostics. The oh, alternative steps it. that you were using and your situation with your central office.
1: Oh uh, yeah, central office. <laughs> um, and because your group has AA. just
0: been a, your group is a year old now. Is that right? It's a, a little over yeah, a year.
1: It, June, yep. Okay, June, gotcha. and it started with three, four guys, mm-hmm. four guys who are long term sobriety. Mm-hmm. We would call it. Used to call it old timers. Now we call it long timers. Right. Um, 20, 30-plus uh-huh. years, uh, who really were agnostic and a couple of our self-proclaimed atheists who mm-hmm. got together and said, you know, it's time for a meeting for everybody, including us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not a meeting just for us, but a meeting where people can be free thinkers, period. Mm-hmm. And since mainstream AA doesn't know what a free thinker <laughs> is specifically, because it's not in black and white somewhere. Right. We will call ourselves agnostics.
2: There you go. And
1: mainly ag- agnostics, spelled like the state of Maine, mm-hmm. throwing an E there, mm-hmm. in there, mainly. Right. Had to put that plug in because they spelled it wrong on the meeting list.
2: Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: L- L-E-Y, but it's E-L-E-Y. Right. So, now, we're trying to, like, you know, do this for everybody.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, first one of its kind around it. Portland has a wonderful, excellent, large, very available uh, recovery mm-hmm. uh, um, web of meetings. And actually, phew, the Portland group, which is still alive and well after all these years, 40-something maybe, mm-hmm. Um, is started the Chip Club. I guess that's their claim to fame. They actually started the chips. Do you familiar with the chips?
2: Yeah,
0: they're the ones that started that. I didn't ever knew that. Yep,
1: yep. That's that's their pro claim. Who knows? I don't know if the fact checkers have checked right. that. We all we all need fact checkers. But Portland, Maine, yeah. Supposedly they started out very very long time ago. So and you know Maine is a huge state.
2: Mm -hmm. huge
1: Mm -hmm. and i'm lucky enough i'm like i said originally from connecticut and um the meetings are small in Mm -hmm. small Mm towns. but but portland maine and i don't live right in portland i live a couple towns out and there are one or two meetings a week here but for the most part we got to drive into portland not Mm -hmm. that far i Mm -hmm. feel um sad that people are further out and don't get as much opportunity Mm -hmm. because there's four or five meetings a day, six meetings a day here, Mm -hmm. all hours a day in Portland. And it's people come here for recovery from Massachusetts, New Hampshire, uh, anywhere in the country, because they keep hearing that the recovery community is so awesome here. Unfortunately, uh, Governor LePage, who I hold personally responsible for pulling funding Mm -hmm. for rehabs and detoxes and recovery and putting more cops on the beat, because if we kill the Uh. dealers and shoot them down, then there won't be as many addicts,
2: Mm -hmm. is his
1: point of view. Sorry about that.
2: I just had to (laughs) put that in there.
1: Very Well, I know people who work at the the very overloaded um, one detox in in Portland. Right. and it's just insane. People lining up. They're sleeping on the sidewalk Yeah. because there's no beds, there's no help, there's, and they're overlooked. So I'm I volunteer when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a sad thing out there. And there's, you know, alcohol is not the only issue. Right. I was only one of four people in my rehab out of 2016. Every opiate addicts are very, opiates are are very addictive over here. Right. Pulling a lot of young people. And now, and that was five years ago Mm -hmm. when I first got sober, now it's like this synthetic heroin stuff, and I'm telling you, it's a scary world. People, Young people are raising their hand in meetings going, you know, I've just lost another friend. They sent me up here from Worcester, Massachusetts, and four of my friends OD'd and died last week. I mean, they go on with these stories that are scary, sad, and true. Yep. And times are tough out there. And I'm looking at my 15-year-old going, who? I thought cough syrup was bad? Let's yeah. grab him before he reaches out for, for whatever those dealers are handing out. Yep. Because the dealers are handing stuff out and it's killing kids.
2: It's frightening. So we
1: have we have an epidemic, mm-hmm. you know, of our own here. But uh, the AA community... Well, uh, reeling back to mm-hmm. what mainstream AA and the alternative steps, which I kind of wish I had a copy of. I, I was... I took that copy because we would read that in the beginning mm-hmm. of the meeting, and mm-hmm. I, I had copies made, and I would hand them out mm-hmm. to people who wanted them and say, "You know there are more on the desk here if anybody mm-hmm. wants a copy of this stuff." Well, the um, mainstream and then I would raise my hand at other meetings and say, "There's an agnostic meeting now for free thinkers <laughs> na, 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 na. And these guys, the the um, GSR and all those guys, um, mm-hmm. two of them came in. To join our meeting once, and I recognize one guy who's my buddy, who's like, there's no way I'd ever see him in an agnostic meeting, because he he has his higher power all established. So I was wondering, hmm, I'm curious, and I didn't know this other guy who was the higher up (laughs) uh, mainstream AA representative. Okay. And they heard that we read the alternative steps. Okay. And I tried to hand him a copy, and he's like, no way. And I'm like, Ooh. I wasn't expecting that attitude. Why are you here? So after the meeting, he came to the me and the four guys who started the meeting. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, okay, all right, you, you guys are busted.
0: <laughs> Did he really say that? Basically,
1: pretty much. Yeah. He said, um, we have pulled your meeting off the meeting. Oh, great. Until further notice. And you are not even considered AA at all anymore huh. because... A, you don't have a big book on the table. And we're like, oh, we can fix that. They're like, oh, no, there's more.
2: You have to have a big book
1: on the table. And this was so dramatic because he was pulling the the authoritative, I represent AA as a whole Uh uh, thing. And here we are just, like, trying to help people. And we're like, you know, you gave us permission to be on the meeting list. So you violated
0: the rule of not having a big book on the table.
1: That was one. (laughs) And the second one was... um, Reading steps of our own were hmm. like being, and they're, you know. Because you did start in, your
0: meeting reading those steps, right? You started the meeting by oh, reading those steps?
1: We did. Okay. And even though we were in an AA hall where there are the 12 steps and traditions behind us on the wall,
2: sure.
1: we had a version to suggest to people that was it was an alternative, and you can find sure. all that. I think it oh, was yeah. Gabe, She's very love. close to Gabe, yeah. so like on, sure. in, on AA Agnostica online, right. There's many versions. There's Buddhist, sure. there's Af- uh, American
2: Indian mm-hmm. versions
1: yep. of spirituality. And of and course, you animals. can read
0: anything you want to in an AA meeting, but of course, this guy doesn't know that, but that's all right.
1: Well, <laughs> this is Maine, and this is New England, and this is like okay. puritanical stuff going on. <laughs> they make their own rules, I think. <laughs> but he's, and he goes, well, and I'll, I'll tell you why um, this step. In particular, why we can't read our own steps, especially the bottom line where it says, you know, um, helping other alcoholics find find recovery, we substitute the word addicts. Okay. And in mainstream AA, that's a a wrist slapper. Mm -hmm. We do not use the word addicts in mainstream AA. Yeah. Then it's another group. It's, you can go to N.A., you can go somewhere else. And we were floored, our jaws all dropped going, this is a meeting for everybody, addicted to anything, food, sex, gambling, Any anybody's mm. welcome in here. This is why we started the meeting. And they're like, well, then you're not A.A. And we're like, but we want to be AA. We want to reach out. We want to be online mm-hmm. on the list meeting list. We want to be on the paper meeting list. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, until you fix those things, you are not considered AA.
2: Oh, bye.
1: And he left, and we went, uh oh, <laughs> what are we going to do? Because we really need to be on that meeting list yeah. to be available to people. Right. You know, we don't. We're not a rogue group. No. We're just trying to be an alternate group. Right. So we didn't like pre-read our steps anymore. We okay. were really pissed that we can't use the word addict.
2: Right. And, like
1: even, even suggesting that addicts are welcome in our group mm-hmm. or meeting. And, uh, that personally, that's what ticked me off the moment. Yeah.
0: That's a problem right now in AA, in my opinion. and. There's a there's a weird stream going through of the singleness of purpose that's being taken to a, a, an extreme. Um, the only requirement for membership in AA is a desire to stop drinking. So you can be addicted to anything else. You could be addicted to heroin. You could be addicted to gambling. You could be addicted to anything. As long as yep. you have a desire to stop drinking, you're welcome in that meeting, and you can talk about whatever you want to. If your if your gambling problem is 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 causing you issues that could cause a return to drinking, you can talk about it. You know, it's just like. Uh, that's that's the way that's aa i mean that's it the only requirement for stream. but unfortunately these people that are doing the um that are taking it to the extreme they're yeah. they're quoting a long form of that tradition where it says yeah. um aa is for all who something suffer from alcoholism or whatever yes yeah. and yeah. they're and they're and they're giving that such a narrow interpretation as as if to say this means that only you know, only yep. if you have only specifically an alcohol problem. And that's the only thing you can talk about at meetings. Well, this thing that's so stupid is rarely do we even talk about our actual addiction or drinking. We're usually talking about the stuff that's under the feelings and the emotions and all the stuff underneath that anyway. Yeah, it's true. So it's just so crazy. But that's the problem. And and now and, yep. and you're, you're dealing with an epidemic. You know, there's this heroin epidemic all over the country, really. But I know it's really yep. strong in New England. And, yeah. um, you know, you gotta be there for these people. And I know that anyone that's, that's a recovering addict, I mean, they also have a desire to stop drinking. I mean, I, I have not yet met anyone that, um, says that, okay, I, I can do drugs. I mean, I can't do drugs, but I can drink. Maybe they're out there, but I have not run into that.
1: Yep. 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 And, and, and in my case, I have a kid addicted to games. Yep. And that's an addiction. And, Open it up, folks. I
2: yeah. mean,
1: you know, so I do, uh, the third tradition saves my butt at meetings because I kind of open my whole thing with that a lot of times when I know that if somebody's going to heavy on the God stuff, I'm like, but, you know, that works for you and that's awesome, but it doesn't work for everybody like mm-hmm. you say it does and you say it will because it's in black and white. Excuse me, there are other people who come and go from here and you don't want to keep them out of here. I was I could have easily just left, but since yeah. I was in rehab, they kept me coming back. I I just said, "Oh, this isn't for me because look at these people. It's like going to church."
2: Yeah. I said, it doesn't not
1: doing anything for me. And so I was at a meeting last I, night
0: that was truly like a revival meeting, but it was kind of fun, but it was a traditional meeting, but it was it was unlike anything that you probably it's un, un unreal. But anyway, it was fun. Well,
1: yeah, you know, and, and uh, I researched like Quad A, I've been online doing all that, and the Atheists and Agnostics of Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. and it, it's like all over California, the Southwest, there's some in Florida yeah. that I want to go to Tampa and look up, there's one in St. Petersburg I want to go yeah. look up when I've been out and visit this winter, and I've been to meetings down there, and they're, they're bigger meetings, because Florida has a lot of right. people. So I am happy for, to represent recovery in Portland, Maine. When I go down there and go, you know, I bring my I bring my fellowship with me wherever mm-hmm. I go, and yeah. that's a blessing and a, and a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah. But here I am. I'm going to bring my kid to an AA meeting, and I've been talking to my AA buddies. Um, is there anything you would recommend? Have you heard of anybody with young teenagers uh, like? NA meetings or, you know, and there isn't anything out there right now, mm-hmm. obviously, because we have the drug addicts coming to AA meetings and just simply like they even did in rehab, all the opiates, substitute alcohol for whatever
2: mm-hmm.
1: it is in your mind when we're reading out of the book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that I'm going to have to establish with him is like any addiction is what we're talking about and just focus on people people's recovery mm-hmm. from whatever that
2: Mhm.
1: Cuz he's going to say, oh, I don't know. Cough syrup, is that alcohol? I don't know. I'm not I don't not I don't even drink."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm like,
1: "Oh, yeah, but you do." Yeah, have cough that. syrup
0: is is
1: that uh, he's yeah. had incidents, you right. know. The first one was alcohol. Right. He got very drunk and the second one was then the cough syrup. Right. He stayed home for days afterwards
2: with
0: get sick. Well, here's another problem, Yvonne, about the um, taking this thing to the extreme, the singleness of purpose yeah. thing. Newcomers, they don't even know. When they go to their first AA meeting, they don't know what an alcoholic is. They, they might not know if they are an alcoholic. Yeah. They they need to find out, you know, and maybe yeah. you know people say, Well, go to an open meeting. No, no. They, you know, so that's what's so crazy. I mean, we had this situation once, and I, I'm at fault here because I, I, I had some people that were giving me a hard time about seeing this of purpose and accusing us of not being an AA group and all this kind of crap. Well, anyway, Uh-oh. I was at this one, I was at a meeting, our We Agnostics meeting, and we had a guy come in for the very first time and he was talking about having, being, being uh, eating too much, having an overeating problem, right? And then another guy was there at the meeting saying that he had a marijuana problem. Okay, okay. well, I was all paranoid because I had this person t- telling me that we weren't a real AA group because we had druggies or whatever. And so um, I turned to the guy that was overeating. I said, "Hey, you do know this is a this is a, a this is a closed AA meeting for people with a desire to stop drinking." And okay so the desire to stop drinking this guy's like okay what does that mean what desire to stop drinking i you know and so he says well do i need to leave and and we said no 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 we don't want you to leave so we made that an open meeting well it turned out the guy does want to stop drinking he just didn't know our stupid language when i said do you have a desire to stop drinking he said i don't know You know, I just, I just know that drinking is messing with me right now. You know, I, I just, I need to do something. Um, do I need to stop? I guess so. You know, and it turns out now he just introduced himself as an alcoholic. He does have a desire to stop drinking, but he didn't know that. That's a weird question to ask somebody. Do you have a desire to stop drinking? Um, are you an alcoholic? Well, I don't know. All I know is that I'm drinking a lot and it seems to be causing me problems and it manifests its, itself in these different ways. So it's like what happens, and I'm rambling a little bit, but what happens is when we start quizzing people because of this, it throws them off. And it makes them feel like you know they're under some kind of pressure. Just let people discover for themselves if they belong in the meeting or not. That's how I feel.
1: Yes, and, and I specifically pay attention to old timers how do they say what they say if they've been in it long enough and they have a message when they raise their hand i pay attention and when i first came in i paid a lot of attention to the people who have um stories about going back out and coming back in
2: because i
1: didn't want that ever to happen to me i'm a i'm a white chip wonder as they say (laughs) I never had a desire to pick up a drink since since I was willing to get sober. I latched onto that and I would just my experience has been a wonderful thing that even with the living alone isolation thing, uh I and I have one well, walking distance to the liquor store over here. I could just like, you know, not even drive and go back for more and it would be a wonderful downward spiral for me. I would yeah. never get busted for drunk driving. So I had all these thoughts in my mind, but um Basically, that was where my attention was focused in the beginning, was like I, I'm afraid of going, but I'm afraid of that disease, poking its head back in and going back out, and they have the, the stories of like, not all of us are lucky enough to come back in here.
2: Right, true.
1: Guilt, shame, and remorse, keep us back out there drinking, and I'm thinking, "Oh God, that could be me." And then later, after I was like, "Hey, I got four years under me now, I'm now five, what I do is I pay attention to the message, How can I relay my message? to where it will, it will help somebody. Right. And one of my favorite old timer guys is Ed, who he just, he's a, he's a whoop-ass kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And he's just very neutral and agnostic guy. So his, his message is, uh, I didn't come to AA to stop drinking. I came to AA to, to stay stopped. Right. That's his simple message. And I like, You know, it took me really years to understand what he was talking about, Mm -hmm. but it's not easy to decipher what he meant. Like, what do you mean you didn't want to stop drinking? He's like, oh, well, you know, anybody can do that, but how long do you stop for? And I'm like, oh, that was me. I did that for a year. I want to stay stopped now. And that is what made him want to keep coming back. He wants to stay stopped. Yeah. It's so simple, it was so obvious, it was staring me right in the face, and I didn't see it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, your group got back on the meeting list, so... um, And I guess it wasn't quite so easy, but you had to let them know that you were complying with everything, so you... Yep. So what did you do? How would you do that?
2: Yep.
1: Really, the GPR guy was group representative Uh for this district guy, uh, who's the higher up, who was in agreement with the guys who started the meeting... To, to start that type of a meeting,
2: uh-huh.
1: and and they were in compliance with him. Um, they got back with him and said, "Okay, well, we really want to help people, so we'll, you know, we'll put the big book back on the table." Didn't even realize it wasn't there to begin with. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean, you know, we'll just like grab it off the shelf. It's right there. <laughs> we'll put it on the table, and okay. I said, "Good," because I'm going to be picking it up for acceptance now and uh-huh. then, even though I have my own copy. I will, like, whip out the acceptance, and whenever I share my anniversary, yeah. I read it out loud,
2: yeah. and
1: people just go, oh, my God, you're not supposed to read stuff at a meeting when you're, like, standing up there. Uh-huh. I've heard that before, like, uh oh, you shouldn't probably read stuff. Uh-huh. But then I get other people thanking me. Oh, you reminded me that acceptance is, everybody has their own perspective on acceptance, because uh-huh. acceptance is a talk you have with yourself. Right. On a daily basis, and it can change depending on your level of restlessness, irritability, Mm -hmm. and discontent. Yeah. So, you know, eventually it all starts to make sense. And, um, yeah, the other thing was we had to not read our alternative stuff out loud. We could suggest that they're out there for people, and I can raise my hand and say that there's a lot online for agnostic, if that's the direction you're going in, yeah, then we're it's online. There's help out there. There's alternative things, and people thank me for that. Like, we've had oh, I didn't um, that.
0: we've had members of our group write their own steps, and we save those in a in a uh, notebook binder, and we let people see them so that if they ever want to write their own steps, they can you know use those or they can use someone else's steps. Plus, we also have the books, the alternative twelve steps, and. Uh, the little book that has all the different um, versions of the steps, too. And we have those out there for people to look at so they can...
1: That is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I w- we're not as free-spirited to be able to do that, but I took it upon myself to make copies of the steps that we uh-huh. use, and I literally have given that whole stack away through the through time, through the uh-huh. year, People ask me, come to me after meetings, and I raise my hand, you know, are there any AA announcements? And I used to say, oh, well, now there's an, an agnostic meeting for people, and then after a year, I was very proud to say, oh, the agnostic meeting's still alive and well, and we celebrated an anniversary, and we could use some support if you're interested. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's on Monday nights, blah, 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 and I, people come up to me after a meeting and ask me about it, and I hand them the copy, and I go, if this helps you. Right. This, this is available. If this helps you, this is just one more version of the 12 steps that seems to help people. So I try and be careful how I reword it. We're not starting a cult. We're not going against AA. We're not a rogue group. We're, mm-hmm. you know, I have, I have to explain more what we're not than what we are.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so for now, it's been working and... Um, I did a funny little thing uh, that I noticed the last time I mentioned, uh, and it was when Ed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the, the I want to stay stopped guy, was chairing a meeting randomly on a Tuesday night. And uh, I, of course, you know, was a speaker discussion, so I raised my hand. Hey, Ed, thanks. You know, I learned a lot from you from the beginning, and, you know, our agnostic meeting's still alive and well, and da-da-da-da. Well, you know, the uh, guy, first one of the two, were both in that meeting, the ones that uh, were the the, the spies
2: mm-hmm. who came in
1: from mainstream AA and then told us that we were doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, one of those guys showed up at the next agnostic meeting. I think they were checking up on us, make, mm-hmm. making sure that we're following protocol. Right. And I didn't say, first I was going to like tell the guys in the meeting that started the meeting, like, you know, we had our spy back here checking on us. But, you know, by the end of the meeting, all that left me because... I'm not there to prove anything to anybody or go against anybody or argue with anybody. I just, I recognize that he was in that meeting, not for himself. Right. <laughs> he's my buddy, Bob. Uh, but he's there to represent mainstream AA, and there's a reason for that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There is a reason that mainstream AA is what it is because it's as tradition protocol has to follow a certain way of that's their group consciousness is to follow it that way. That's right.
0: Those people in those groups, they want to do it that way.
1: And and mainstream AA is that way for now. And hopefully we can open it up to addicts and other recovery people. Mm -hmm. We can all be, we can all help each other in the near future. We can Mm -hmm. change for the better. Yes. It's not, it's not being defiant and changing AA. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to rewrite the steps. We're just trying to offer alternatives.
0: There you go. Exactly. So,
1: so exactly. I don't know how much time I have, but I had just, just a little one paragraph from, okay. from Beyond Belief, 12 Step Life. And I ha- copied it on my phone, and, when, and I show it to people whenever they ask me, what's all this agnostic stuff going on? And, like, how do you do it without a higher power or an other power or something? How do you do that? And, I, you know, I have to come up with something,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I said, well, you know, I've highlighted a paragraph from, from this book, and if it, and I hand it to people, they mm-hmm. can read it right off my phone and get the book. Mm-hmm. It's not me preaching, it's like, I found something that works for me. And, I, and I'll tell you, I've been looking for an agnostic sponsor, there aren't any here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in my agnostic meeting, one is, like, fairly new. Mm-hmm. and The other one's very self-sufficient, and she doesn't want to be a sponsor. She's barely able to help herself. And mm-hmm. then the other one travels so much, she's not around. And she's, like I said, I can do a long-distance sponsorship. And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, I'll get back to you on that. So I have, like I said before, for the four years, followed Mainstream AA and then came to the agnostics. And so for a year and a half after I stepped back from mainstream AA, I have not been doing steps. I think I made it through step six at Mm -hmm. one point, one sponsor and left it alone and never went back. Mm -hmm. So I've been sponsoring myself
2: Mm -hmm. and putting
1: myself through my own steps. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to say that it's been working for me. So when somebody's Stands up at the podium and says, "You know, if you don't do these steps the way they're written, you're going to drink again." Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I have to not just raise my hand, but stand up and say, "Excuse me." Good for you. You may not be helping somebody by saying that. Good for you. First of all, my father's been sober for forty years, and he did it without AA, Mm -hmm. and now I and I've done both. Mm -hmm. I've done it with AA and without AA, and. There's alternatives that may help somebody. Right. Is the kind of wording I try. Good for I try. you. Tread carefully. Um, but I don't know if, if our time is almost <clears throat> up here. Go ahead. But I just, I really wanted to share this with you. Yeah. This is the only thing I really had on my mind that, mm-hmm. that I would share today. The rest is ad lib. Mm-hmm. But going back to the meditation and the Zen perspective, it says, um, and what page is this? Well, you know, it goes by date, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm on August 26th here. Mm -hmm. Just a little, if I may read this. Yeah, please. With like two-second moment of silence because I need to center for a second here. Because this is all of my recovery in one paragraph. Okay, quote. from a Zen perspective, enlightenment is attained by embracing emptiness, being and nothingness. In this respect, wisdom comes from letting go, not from seeking. While one looks to the God of the heavens to be filled with serenity, courage, and wisdom, another merely divests themselves of chaos, fear, and biases. Both goals have no finish line. As recovery is about balance, we are going to get more done each day if we monitor, uh, monitor our serenity, courage, and wisdom. This way, we are content in the process and, and not anticipating an end or a goal, unquote. Yeah.
0: That's excellent. Now,
1: that's pretty much what we were talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. E- embracing emptiness, which is scary for some people, emptiness. They want to fill up that God-shaped hole. Mm-hmm. Right,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which I've researched and is, and the scientists like um, Degrassi Tyson, Neil Degrassi mm-hmm. Tyson, who everybody claims he's an atheist. He, in, his, in his own words, he goes, I never claimed I was an atheist. Right. He categorized me that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But his version of emptiness, well, he, he talked about the emptiness in mm-hmm. our lives that we fill with a substance or a, a, an addiction behavior. And it, it's created by craving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a craving. So you have a craving to begin with as a child or as an adult or whenever you recognize that it's been there all along.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you find something, a person, place, thing, substance, whatever, to fill that and it works for you, then you are creating more craving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The more the more you crave, the more you fill. It creates more craving. It's like digging a hole. Right. Uh, on a beach, and the water keeps filling it in. hmm And so when people, and I always wondered, like, how did God-shaped, ho- like, I have a craving too, but I don't fill it up with
2: mm-hmm.
1: a reliance on God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm realizing what they're talking about. Right. My God-shaped hole is not in the form of a G, it's in the form of a C, and it's craving something. Mhm. And I have to recognize that in my recovery that that's always going to be there. Mhm. And what do I fill that up with? And by reading this paragraph and from a Zen perspective, it is embracing that emptiness and nothingness. Mhm. And replace it only with a sense of being.
0: Yeah. I and, love it.
1: And and, and that's enough. Yeah. And people just go, what do you mean that's enough? What is being? And I'm like, well, I'll, maybe you should go meditate on that. Yeah. It's hard to explain. Everybody has their own. And, you know, to finalize it all, like my big book, Step Study Sponsor, who I love, and she, well, my, my recent sponsor, too. Mm-hmm. I, I showed her this paragraph, and she looked at it, and she said, okay. And then she looked at me, she goes, but you are still seeking your higher power, right? And I went, oops. I knew right then and there that uh, she can't help me, and she already said, I don't think I can help you because I haven't done it this way. Mm -hmm. All I know is my own experience from what I learned. She goes, I don't think I can help you with this
2: Mm -hmm. embracing
1: nothingness, because for her, it's seeking a higher power and honing your relationship with a higher power is ultimately the goal of
0: recovery
1: for her, and I realized that Sadly, uh, we must part ways. Yeah. We can still be friends and re, you know get together for tea like we have been doing. But as far as working on the steps, she's wasting her. Uh, I wouldn't shouldn't say wasting mm-hmm. her time because uh, being a friend in recovery is an awesome thing. Right. I I, I don't want to commit to having her try to help me sure. when when my my perspective is is different. Right. So different.
2: Right. So very
1: different. So for now, I'm helping myself, and I'm. I'm. That's not the way I want it to always stay. I'm. I'm, very open to having somebody who can relate to the alternative steps mm-hmm. and and go through those together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, because again, you know, the journey is what it's all about, not
0: yeah, the result. I agree. Well, I process. think that's a good place to wind it up. I think that we came, oh, awesome. came, we came full circle from where we started. And it's just a beautiful, converse, beautiful conversation. Beautiful. And you've helped me a lot um, and inspired me to uh, get on the ball with meditating. Uh, maybe I'll do that actually this morning before I actually go out. We're we're I'm in Kansas City. We're doing this hall crawl thing where, in our district, so that I'm going to all these these different traditional AA meetings. Um, it started last night. Actually, it started Thursday at my group we agnostics and it was kind of fun we actually read from the the grapevine that has the stories from atheists and agnostics then i went to a traditional meeting last night and they read from the grapevine about a, a story from atheists and agnostics and that was wild so now today i'm going to go to all these other traditional meetings um one after the next all day long and then all day tomorrow wow
2: so, thank you yeah. for
1: reminding me that the grapevine has come out with the atheist agnostic uh writing Oh
0: yeah, it's a good issue. And, and Roger
1: wonderful. had emailed me about that mm-hmm. and I haven't yet researched I want a copy of that. Oh. And I'll get one. <laughs> but it's been very helpful that through Roger and through you
2: mm-hmm.
1: that my contribution I feel like I have been able to do th- it's been very frustrating and I've been wanting to put something out there and you know by even thinking i'm helping somebody else it helps me yeah, yeah. and and i hope that uh, through evolution recovery will open its arms to a whole new generation yeah, yeah. and introduce that generation to the long timers who have been in it for a long time yeah. and all of a sudden it's not about the substance it's not so much about wanting to stop drinking as it is to stay stopped right like how awesome is that if i can help my 15 year old find serenity in his life now he won't be having to chase it down for 39 years like God, i
2: yeah, did right right yeah
1: so i really appreciate you uh, yeah, giving me you. the opportunity you, to Yvonne. share and uh i recommend picking up that beyond belief book and absolutely
0: i've got it and, and- we'll post a link to that on our on on the podcast too.
1: Very good, very good. Yeah. And uh every August 26th, I just like to highlight that little and there's many more beautiful things in the book yeah. daily that I yeah. just I zone I just put point my finger right at it going, bingo. I couldn't have said it better myself. So yeah. I wish I wish we I had a meeting that I could we could read from mm-hmm. this daily. We don't have yeah. that yet here. We're a little Little still, uh, little blue laws are still here, you know, <laughs> okay. like retail stores are closed right. on Sunday for whatever reason. Like, wow. I think people have to go to church or something. Right. <laughs> it's open. It's, it's getting, but liquor stores are open. That's funny. You can buy alcohol, you can go to church, Yeah. but you can't go shopping.
0: That is
2: funny.
1: <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Oh boy. Oh, it's so much fun. But I love to travel and go to other meetings mm-hmm. and... That has been really the highlight of my AA experience here is that I can I can just take the fellowship and recovery wherever That's I go right. because people here have helped me so much yeah. in just telling their story of their experience strength and hope. I'm, yeah. like, I'm not alone. wherever I go, I'm not alone. Yeah. So it's a beautiful
0: thing. We'll post this, not this coming Wednesday. I'm going to post, we're going to do it the following Wednesday, which I guess would be, today's the 15th. So next Wednesday, it'll be the 26th, if I'm looking at the calendar right, is when we'll post this podcast. And I'll send you a link to it so you can listen to it uh, before we post it and stuff like that.
1: Oh, I really appreciate it, John. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I hope this opens things up for other people and... All oh, my favorite slogan is "Keep coming back."
0: Yeah, <laughs> all right. you take care, Yvonne. Thank you very much. Okay.
1: Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon enough. I think we'll take a break next week and be back the following week. Until then, you all take care. Be well. We'll talk again soon.